Hello, and welcome to Celluloid Citizens. I'm Brian O'Connell. And I'm Sean M. Thompson. And today we're going to talk about Cosmopolis, a 2012 film by David Cronenberg. He uh, directed it and wrote it based on Don DeLillo's novel. DeLillo's novel. Um, it stars Robert Pattinson uh, with Paul Giamatti, Samantha Morton, Sarah Gaydon, and Juliette Binoche. And it is shot by Peter... Sujitsky. I definitely mispronounced that, but that it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, right off of the bat, I'm going to say I recommended this movie. I remembered this film as being good. I went to watch it again. It's really, really uneven. There are some really interesting conversations. Mm -hmm. There's some really interesting, like, specific scenes, like set pieces. But as a whole, this movie does not work. No, I, it's, I would say that of the film, like, we've, we've covered films that I wasn't totally on the same page as, but, like, I could appreciate, like, um, only lovers left alive or like, you know, other thing, or like we, we were yeah. critical of like the love witch a little bit, but I appreciated them. I think this is the first film that I straight up just didn't like watching. <laughs> like it's, it's, a I mean, stay tuned. Cause I'm probably gonna force you to watch predator or something. Oh but... boy. Oh, well I'm excited for that, but that's still, that's a good movie though. I mean, it's dumb, but well, yeah, no. I mean, even a goofy movie. I mean, it had certain like stimulating qualities to it. But this movie was an example of a movie that I feel like I I understood what it was going for, but the whole experience of it was just a real, real slog. I mean, I don't want to be yeah, too harsh. Like the thing I told you was. And I have extenuating circumstances as well. Yeah. My grandmother died, so obviously I'm not in a huge, yeah, like, movie. let's get this done yeah. headspace. Um, but I was able to watch, like, the first half hour, and then I just, like, I have other shit going on, and I just was like, fine. And then I go back and watch 20 minutes and be like, oh, okay. But, like, I, I ha it took me a week to get through the entire yeah, film. Yeah, I can see that. And nor that doesn't... Often what happens is maybe I'll split it into two or at the most three watches you know and yeah. if, you know at some point i'll get sucked in and it's like okay i got this 40 minute chunk done yeah yeah, yeah. this was just such a slog it's really it's really not and it was honestly it was kind of a surprise coming from cronenberg where like i mean like i i've only seen i think like three of his movies maybe four at this point and they all are from his body horror period, which I know isn't just, that doesn't define his entire oeuvre. Like, I'm sure he's done other interesting, dramatic things. Oh, most, the thing that surprises me is like, in the last couple of years, he's done some film about movie stars that I found engaging. Yeah. He did a film about Freud and Young, which I found fascinating. Yeah, yeah. He did... Um, History of Violence, which I thought was like, re like I'd like to cover it because that I have watched again. Yeah. I think it holds up. Yeah, and he's done Eastern Promises, which was like a very good like Russian gangster film. Yeah, like he's done he's done. I'm not saying he can't do this type of movie that where it's more dramatic oriented than just like 
you know. Yeah, I think that I think what it is is what I remembered mm-hmm. was how ambitious it was in terms of having most of the film take place in a limo. That is, it is a an ambitious task. To... But the thing is, everything outside the limo. I, I kind of was just like, I don't care. Yes. Yeah. Well, I- so it was almost like, I, I I don't know how they would have done it, but I kind of wish they had just kept it contained to the limo the entire time. Yes, I could see that. And the limo atmosphere. It- or maybe like that last scene is like just outside the limo or in an alley. But like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like. The fact it's an entirely different set piece, like he goes to this weird abandoned house, like yeah, that's interesting, and I like that ending scene, but like it does, it doesn't seem like it's from the same film. Well, the thing, the first thing that honestly put me off is that before any of the of the story, even or the atmospheric qualities, I just thought that the film itself looked really ugly to me, like. It was really off-putting the way they shot it. I don't know what it was about. Like, I don't know, the lighting or something made their skin look very, like, gross to me. Um, And there's also this element of... And I know it's intentional. Like, it's a kind of Brechtian effect. But the fact that the limo itself looks very artificial and the windows and uh, of, of the limo are are green screened i think not in a yeah i will say some of the green screen stuff just really doesn't and you know i mean like you're talking about a limited budget probably but at the same time it's like people with limited budgets still manage yeah i mean it just it just looked unpleasant to me and i here's what i think here's what i think is good about cosmopolis yes is like there are parts of cosmopolis there are certain conversations Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm certain imagery yeah that i feel like is like really interesting like the convert like the thing is that all the conversations about cryptocurrency and money yeah. and theory yeah, yeah, yeah. i found really fascinating me too i thought the um maybe the highlight of the film is the scene where he's having this conversation about uh capitalism with samantha morden's character and as they're having this conversation they're like plowing through this giant anti-capitalist protest and it's like you know they're talking about how like um i don't know money is talking to itself or something and how like time itself has become ordered along the lines of of capitalism and things like that so yeah i think that the power of the film is it makes money really creepy but but the problem is they just sort of abandon it at like with the last half hour. Well, the last and half hour. And it just hour. becomes sort of a mediocre like crime film. Yeah, it is very I mean like there's still stirrings of that in there with the fact that Paul Giamatti's character uh at the end. I do I do like that ending scene. It's a good scene. I would say, well I think mm. it goes on a little long but I do I do appreciate the the give and take and the back and forth of him like you're rich that's enough and then Robert Pattinson's character being like that's not why you want to kill me. Yeah, yeah. And I will Cuz he's like everyone's a, everyone's 10 seconds away from being rich. I will um also contend that um while the dialogue is notably 
probably very intentionally quite flat. I did think Robert Pattinson's performance is still um, a pretty good performance for a film of this type. And honestly, Robert Pattinson is in general one of the more interesting actors working today, so... I appreciated him doing this. And, you know, this was one of the first, like, indie films that at least I remember he did after Twilight. Yeah, I think this was, And I remember this was still around the time where people were like, dude can't act for shit. Yeah. So I think part of it was that when it came out, like, I was just so impressed that he could sort of act. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um... Yeah, I do think it was shortly after Twilight and in, uh... But then it's like, once you've had the time, and now that we know he can act, like he's been in The Lighthouse, he's been in all this other stuff where he's oh, yeah. like a good actor. Yeah. It's sort of just like, well, the film isn't good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does, um, I mean, flat dialogue, it's a really tricky terrain. There's a whole subplot about how he's like married to an heiress and they just haven't had sex yet. Yeah. That I thought, like, just dragged, and it was like, uh, it, it just didn't, I got nothing from it. No, I I didn't get a lot from a lot of the film, honestly. Like, they could have condensed that down to five minutes, and that would have been fine. Because, like, you would have gotten that, yeah, he's not having sex with his heiress wife, but he's banging all these other people. Yeah, well, apparently in the book, I may be misremembering it, but... In the book... Oh, did you read the book? No, 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 no. I read an interview with Cronenberg, but he was talking about how in this... There is a scene in the book where I think he does have sex with his wife while this, like, orgy is being, like, on television of, like, maybe the protesters, and, like, it's really extreme and weird, and I thought that sounded kind of interesting, but he said it would have looked too ridiculous on film, so he just had them be totally chilly to each other which apparently isn't isn't even the case in in the book yeah i don't know i mean i I, (laughs) look i get it sometimes you make an artistic decision sometimes it just doesn't go over well yeah but it's just i mean uh, but yeah that like it's like yeah so a lot of the stuff outside the limo it just felt so extraneous and i wonder how much of my issue with this is just the adaptation itself it's just that, yeah. like, maybe some other person should have gone into this script and just had a look at it and been like, hey, let's maybe cut this, remove this over here, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I could see it, because it's so dialogue-heavy, I could see it being a better novel than it is as a film. Like, yeah, I was going to say, like, the main thing I take from this is that, like, I wonder if I would enjoy the novel more. Yeah, because then you can focus on the discussions and all of these these um, ideas in a way that isn't, you know, you're not being put off by the visual aesthetics of the film or, or the performances or whatever. I mean, there's just confusing stuff, like the fact that this ultra-rich guy is, like, eating at, di- at diners, like, the whole film didn't yeah, make much sense. Yeah, it didn't. Like, especially in New York City, that dude would not be eating at a diner. If he got food from a diner, someone's taking it to him. Yeah, and it is like, I mean, like, the the best moments for me were, outside of of the juiciest discussions, were those, like, just kind of intriguingly weird moments. Like, there's a great scene where he's talking to 
I don't I don't remember the actress's name. She's the she's Stevie from from Shit's Creek, but um he's talking to this woman while getting a prostate exam in his limo and it's so strange and it's like okay, well that I mean that's kind of interesting as a conceit. And then there's this other scene where in one of the diners these I think the protesters run in and they like wave rats at Throw people. Dead rats, I think. Yeah, and I was like that's all kind of like I mean, it's not great. It couldn't sustain a film, but it it piqued my interest. But those moments were very few and far between for me. Like, they just... The film on the whole was really just honestly like a, a, a slog to get through. I mean, I'll be through. totally honest. When, you, when I had watched the first 20 minutes and you told me you watched the film and you were like, I really didn't like it, my first reaction was like, oh... Uh oh, it's going to be another one of these episodes where we're not agreeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like we have like knockdown dragouts, but you know what? I yeah, mean. no, no, yeah. And then I got to like the hour ten mark, and I was like, oh yeah, no, I agree with him. Yeah, it's I, I mean, it's not again. It's not an a totally uninteresting film, and I do think there are merits. I think one of the more interesting elements is. I mean, well, I don't think it entirely works. The whole back and forth with him and Paul Giamatti's character and yeah. the revelation that he's like, that, you know, like his whole big failure is this uh, type of Asian currency has yeah. taken off and he didn't see it. And his whole thing is about predicting things. And Paul Giamatti and him talk about how they both have asymmetrical prostates. And Giamatti says, the problem is your whole model yeah. is based on beauty and symmetry and balance. And you weren't accounting for quirks yeah. and lumpiness and, you know, and like you're asymmetrical. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the Luan, this currency, you know, you didn't, you were looking for a pattern when this, the reason it took off was there wasn't really a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And that was all very interesting. And I mean, like, also this, this. Um, I was straight up mad when he shot his security guard, though. Yeah, that was kind of. That was ridiculous. I mean, it wasn't. It's was like you spent the he spent the whole goddamn movie saving your life, you asshole. Yeah, there is another interesting moment where he just shoots his hand like right through, right near the end of the. Yeah, I think that's one of the more interesting. Like the interesting stuff is this dude is like clearly insane. <laughs> like, well, when I, I mean, like I commented on how the fact of the obvious fakeness of the of the limo like green screen things bothered me like i can see what it's going for that the whole style of the film is intentionally really artificial to reflect how he's become so sealed off from the world that the world is just like abstractions to him and that does seem i mean that is something you do see with very wealthy people like yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely true. It's just like you can't you you are no longer you just can't relate. Well, you're you're isolated from like the concerns that like most people have to deal with and just the realities of day-to-day life. Like if you want to see a really I mean, you could do it as a double feature, but if you wanted to see a a, a really unsettling film, I think it's called Born Rich and it's this guy interviews uh children of wealthy people who have inherited their wealth i think even ivanka trump is in there a few years before um her father got elected president but 
it's you see how like vacant they well, are. I grew up in a rich town. I can tell you that the children of rich people are totally out of touch. Yeah, and and it's like it's all. I'm not rich, by the way. Upper middle class for most of the country. <laughs> middle class where I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I too am upper middle class. I I mean like, but it's just like um, it's it's strange. In some ways, I. F- it's gonna sound crazy, but in some ways, I feel bad for yeah, um, no. like really rich because it's like you know everyone obviously has drug problems, but like there are such drug problems with ultra rich people yeah. because it's like they just that's they don't know what else to focus yeah. on and like yeah, yeah oh, I know a lot of people would go oh boo hoo like what yeah. would I do you know I'd kill it if I had two you know five million dollars in the bank or whatever but it's like but then. The thing is, like, somebody who's striving for money, they can focus on that. Yeah. It becomes a goal. And when they get more money, it's this joyous thing. Yeah. For someone then that's already had it, money means nothing. Yeah, yeah. And they suddenly have to figure out what their purpose is. And while most of us, our purpose is to try to find a fulfilling career where we can also survive and make money, they, they don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. And what you see in that documentary... And again, I I don't want to extend too much sympathy because these people do terrible things, too. Right. But you see, they're like crocodile people. You see this almost like touching childlike naivete in them that they're just like they're just so sheltered from just what people experience that they genuinely they just don't get it. They just literally don't get it, and that's. I think that's kind of reflected in this film in the sense that he really just, he's become estranged from reality in the sense that he's just like so insulated in this private world. And I think that may be why he shoots himself with the... uh, I mean, like a lot of the film, he's like sort of flirting with people, just like really, really hurting them. Like there's a scene where he has sex with this black woman, I forget who the character is in relation to him. Yeah. But she has this taser that can do a hundred thousand volts and she's joking around and she like aims the laser at him and he's just straight up like, yeah, I want you to give me the full dose. Shock me. Yeah. 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 Like he's searching for, for like reality or for some sensation. I mean, like he literally goes to the house of the guy who's been plotting to kill him. Yeah, I mean, like, he has a, he has, I mean, doesn't he, he may, the details are a little fuzzy to me, but he talks about how he's afraid of death, but he seems to seek out it, seek it out, I should say, like, many times. It might just be intended as, like, a reflection on someone that is, like, has such a silver spoon, so much money, and is so out of touch that they honestly don't think they can die. Yeah, yeah, he's just, yeah. And so, like, all of those qualities, super interesting. Right, but it's just like, when you actually look at the film as a whole, it's like the dialogue scenes in the limo seem sort of entirely different than the dialogue in, like, the diner, yeah. and, yeah. and like, when at he goes end. and gets a haircut, and, like... Yeah, I... It's, it's... It's it's just sort of like the film doesn't know what it wants to be. Or, I mean, I think, again, I read that Cronenberg was saying that his intent with this movie was to make a total art film, like, no concessions to being accessible. And I get that. And again, I felt like, I felt like, 
I generally understood what the film was going for and what it was trying to say. For me, though, what really took me out was just the experience of watching it was such yeah like at like the literal like minute to minute experience of watching this film yeah i've watched art films where i'm engaged absolutely all the time yeah yeah this was not that no it was like and it was like it was there's like a sinking in my stomach where i like paused it to go get something and i was like there's an hour left in this like there's like what 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 can even like where is this even going, honestly? Because he just kind of floats around. And again, I've seen movies where that can be done compellingly. Like, there are movies that, that don't have a conventional plot, like, I don't know, like, I guess In the Mood for Love or something, where it's just characters kind of existing in these spaces. And it can be compelling. I mean, like um, Coffee and Cigarettes, the Jim Jarmusch film. Yeah, I haven't seen I it. I love but... that. And it's literally just people talking. Yeah. I mean, granted, some of them are celebrities, but like, it's just people smoking and drinking coffee and talking. Yeah. And, and it works. And for stilted. And so that's... Yeah, and I mean, like we've talked about the killing of a sacred deer, and mov- there are movies like Corel and things where it's like the dialogue. Yeah, stilted doesn't always equal bad. No, stilted can be used to great effect to make you reflect on what the characters are saying, or like just, in, at least in the case of sacred deer, just to be uncanny or provide a weird atmosphere. But in this movie, it just felt like. <sighs> I just felt really, I almost felt exhausted by the movie that it was, it was a very ponderously executed film. And I think it could be made, I mean, I think it could have been a better film. It just was just the general experience of it and some of the odder choices that were made. I mean, I think it's important because we, we do do this thing unfairly where with every other profession it's like you can have a bad day you can have a bad job you can have a bad cheeseburger you made and we just sort of accept that's that's part of it yeah but what we don't do is accept that art is the same way absolutely you're making a product like people don't want to think of it like this but you are making a product and not every time you invent a new product is it gonna actually like be as good as your last one yeah and again i feel i should make it clear that again i haven't seen all of his films but i would say david cronenberg i mean i would really want to watch like like a history of violence i would want to cover for the next cronenberg because like i remember seeing that and it was an adaptation from a a comic book and i don't know it just like it just it it had me yeah i really want to see crash which is the main one crash is good i liked crash i just think i think where he does well is that like sort of psychosexual like violent territory and this is sort of and that's not to say because he also did the the freud young movie and that was good there wasn't much and what was like actual violence uh, in it i'm trying to let me see if i can find it but there was one he did with like julianne moore i haven't seen it but like wasn't it like uh, uh let me see if i can find it it was uh uh what is it maps to the stars like that yes that was the one about the celebrities i like that one too yeah so like he can do this sort of thing i mean like it's not like and i would say you know he's he's one of the great directors i mean like videodrome is literally like i mean i'll say this man like john carpenter's still around but like oh man john carpenter's later work 
is like yeah. just not good. So at least Cronenberg, you know, he's like from around the same era and he's been able to keep going and like yeah. fairly consistently keep bringing out new material that still resonates. Yeah. And this, uh, there is merit to this. I do think it is interesting as a film, but I think it, I think the things it makes you think about is more they're more interesting than the film itself yeah i would love to read like a paper on the film rather than like revisit the film because i think there's so many interesting ideas and concepts here it's just it felt i mean like it does have one of my favorite lines of dialogue oh what was it which is like the reason the reason you failed is you didn't account for your prostate yeah I mean, it was yeah. something like that. And it's just like, it's just said so bluntly before it's explained that it's like, huh. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, and I loved the the more overtly strange aspects of the narrative, but it was just the, it was the execution. And as you said, like, artists often do misfire occasionally or like hit like a, you know, an odd one-off movie in their, in their career. And that's like, okay. I mean, I mean, I know I'm probably in the minority on this, but I would rather an artist who has a prolific output and then maybe one or two of their movies or books or, you know, shows just aren't really that good. Yeah. Then one of those, people that's considered an auteur that does i don't know three books in their entire lifetime or two films yeah 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 i would i I would i like more art from the artists i like even if it doesn't always hit the bullseye for me as as it didn't here um but i do i do um i would say there's value in cosmopolis however it isn't it's not a movie I feel I could recommend to people very readily. Um, no, I agree with you. And what's weird is I had remembered it as being good. Well, that happens sometimes is that, like, I've seen movies and thought they were amazing. And then, like, I'll revisit them, like, a year or two later. And just, like, it doesn't work for me as much anymore. I mean, that's another thing. And I'll, I'll keep it really brief because I want to close this episode down soon. <laughs> uh, but. Sometimes the circumstances surrounding a film and the environment actually affect your enjoyment. So when I first saw this, it was like a counterpoint to the Twilight stuff. And there was a lot of crap about how he was like a wooden actor who couldn't act like for his life. Right. Yeah. And then I saw it and I was like, wow, that's cool. He can act. So I was so focused on the fact that he was having a good performance. I wasn't actually taking into account the film itself. I don't think. Whereas now, like, the Robert... Whereas now, it's like, yeah, Lighthouse and all the uh, other stuff he's the done. It's sort of the same thing with uh, Kristen Stewart. Yeah, yeah, Where it yeah. was like, you know, people said she couldn't act, and then she had some films afterwards where she could actually act, obviously. Yeah, and now, um, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, like, I, I... <laughs> I I basically the Robert Pattinson I I'm most familiar with is the one from The Lighthouse and like I haven't seen Good Time but I've heard he's really good in Good Time. Um so like I knew he was a good actor and when I went into this movie I was like I I'm expecting Robert Pattinson to deliver a good performance and and he did. <laughs> I thought it was a great performance. No, he did. One of the strengths of this film is the performances. Yeah. 
I would say, and it is quite the cast of actors. Like it's it's a good lineup. Um, like what is it? Like Julia Pinoche is in there. Uh, Paul Giamatti, obviously. Samantha Gordon is a good actress. There, I mean, like there, there's a lot of. It seemed like people were excited to work with him for sure. I, I just it's strange. I mean, it almost feels like. <sighs> I don't want to say waste, but like to have this amazing cast and then the result is is disappointing. It just feels it's it's a little disappointing. It's it's disappointing. Yeah, but I it's not um it's a better film to talk about and to read, I think, than to than it was as an experience. But I do think there is interest and value in its ideas. Uh, but I would I would say if you're a fan of Cronenberg. You know, watch watch all his other stuff first. Yeah, what? And I would say this is something of a piece with his themes, but um, his usual themes. I mean, about like technology and uh, you know the contemporary world and you know the body and society and things like that. But uh, not the entry point, certainly. And I would even put it further down the road a bit. Like this is a this is insider Cronenberg <laughs> like you have to be on board with his his films already um which I am but I still didn't enjoy it so it's not going to be for everybody but worth checking out um if you do if you do uh if you do like his films just just save and, it for later um, yeah and on that note I think that's going to wrap this up I'm going to do a real quick uh plug yep for our patreon uh, we have many episodes on it. By the time you read this, hopefully I'll have actually edited some of the other mini episodes. <laughs> and I do have an essay. I just, I literally just have to copy paste it. I've just been very busy. Um, yeah, the Patreon is one of those things I'm just hoping takes off <laughs> like later down the road, but that's okay. If you want to be one of the, you know, pioneers you can hop on and give me a couple dollars or, it's it's i guess in turn brian a couple it goes towards the show it doesn't actually go to yeah, us. yeah yeah it's what like it's um, one dollar yeah. a month or something it's a buck yeah so um, what excuse do you really have <laughs> you don't have an excuse you have none and uh our hub on the internet celluloid sits on twitter that's c-i-t-z uh we're on anchor.fm slash celluloid I think it's just celluloid sits. Yeah, I think so. Um, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Honestly, if you just Google celluloid citizens, oh, and we're on YouTube too. Yep, YouTube is a uh, is another. One I of should, our that reminds me, I should probably drop a link to like the uh, the anchor somewhere on that YouTube. But yep. <laughs> so yeah. That's it. So uh, with that, this has been Celluloid Citizens. I'm Sean M. Thompson. I'm Brian O'Connell. And um, yeah, don't shoot yourself through the hand. Always good advice. <laughs> <laughs>